Hi friends, are your Christmas decorations up yet? Lights on? Music playing? Uh, eggnog purchased? One of the things that I've been hearing all over the place this year is, I, I know it's early, but I just had to, you know, I just need Christmas this year. I, I, I needed something to celebrate. 2020 came with great fanfare, right? So long 2019, don't let the door hit you on the way out. For, for many people, 2019 was a, a hard year, not, not a good year. We were looking forward to this, this new year, a, a reset, a, a year of clear vision and an opportunity for a fresh start. Who, who would have thought last Christmas that we would all have become Zoom masters? Uh, that we would be used to wearing our masks when we go into stores, that we would feel physical discomfort watching old TV shows where everybody's crowded around in a room and somebody's blowing on a birthday cake. Uh, like, I, I just need a little bit of Christmas. I just need something to celebrate. Uh, somewhere along the way, uh, four words have been assigned to these four weeks of Advent leading up to Christmas. They are hope, peace, joy, and love. I, I don't know about you, but I need those words in my life this year. I need to experience them personally, and I need them to be lived out in my relationships with others. This Advent, we want to spend time in each of these four words. Uh, we, want to, we want to think about them, reflect on what they mean for us, and what it means to be a Christian. I was wondering this week, do you, do you think we'll ever do New Year's resolutions again? Like, like so much of what we had hoped for uh, last year is, is just not happened. Like, like somehow we thought, hey, things are going to be different this year. I have hope that things will be different. That, that somehow the 365 days, those 8,760 hours, those 525,000 minutes would mean something new. A new start, a new motivation to eat better, uh, to sleep better, to get our finances into order, to, to fix a relationship. But of course, the, the simple passing of time does nothing to change us. It, it does nothing to change the world. Did, did you know they, they estimate we make 35,000 consci remotely conscious decisions every day? So you and I have made nearly 13 million decisions each since we started Advent last year. Each one of those decisions have large or small consequences for ourselves, our families, our church, our neighborhood, our province, and our world. Uh, will I eat this chocolate bar tonight? Will I wear a mask? How will I relate to people? Will I listen to what the government says? Each one of the decisions that we make is what actually changes things. Here's a wild number for you, uh, 421,575,000. 421,575,000. This is the number of remotely conscious decisions that Jesus made over the course of his life without sin. The, the, each decision that Jesus made through the course of a human life, like yours and mine, Jesus made in such a way that his relationship with God flourished, that his relationship with other people flourished, that his relationship with himself and his inner world flourished, that, his, that each decision that Jesus made benefited the creation that he was a part of. How do we make change? How do we see things get better? They come from making decisions. 
I love what uh, Rich Villados wrote. He said that the good news of Advent is not that we are faithful in our waiting, we often aren't, but that God is faithful in his coming. So on Sunday, hopefully, we will light a candle that looks like this one. Uh, we will light a candle during our Advent service, and we will light a candle to remind us of hope. We will be reminded of th that Christ has come and that Christ is coming. That Christ is always coming, always entering a troubled world and a wounded heart. We light a candle to express our longing for hope. That Christ would come and be our light. And so this is the good news of Advent, right? Matthew 1, an angel appears to Joseph as he's thinking about breaking off his engagement with a young woman because he believes that she has been unfaithful to him. And an angel appears to him and says, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to make, take Mary as your wife because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, a virgin will become pregnant, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. So God is faithful in coming to his people. He comes as a savior, a king, and most importantly, as God with us. Jesus in his humanity comes to show us, to reveal to us two powerful and important things. The first is that Jesus comes to show us what God is like. Uh, Pastor Brian Zond is fond of saying, God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There has never been a time when God was not like Jesus. We haven't always known this, but now we do. Which is a summary of John 1.18 that says, No one has ever seen God. God, the only Son who is at the Father's side, has made God known. So what joy and hope in knowing what God is like. The second thing, though, that Jesus reveals to us is what it means to be human. Uh, Jesus is God showing us the full human potential of what it means to be truly human. What would happen if we made all of our 35,000 decisions every day in line with God and his kingdom and his purpose? My, my friend Kurt has written a great new book called Echoing Hope, and he has graciously given me an advanced copy to read. And one of the things that has been encouraging me and ministering to me and giving me hope is that Jesus shows us what it means to be a human person, to live in a real and painful world. Jesus shows us the, the prototype of what humans were designed for. And so this Advent, we want to remember that God is faithful in coming to us, in coming into a broken and hurting world. God does not just live untouched, unvarnished by the world around him. Jesus experienced betrayal and grief and loss, the death of people he loved and poverty and racial discrimination and physical pain and violence and sexual abuse and religious abuse and rejection and family that disowned him. He, he also experienced friendship and good food and laughter and joy, and the beautiful nature, uh, good moments with his mom, good wine, the fulfillment of doing a job well and having people appreciate the gifts that he offered. And so Kurt writes in his book that one of the things that we learn from the life of Jesus is that joy and pain aren't enemies, that they're companions. That in his 
birth, Jesus chose solidarity with the poor. By, by choosing to be born a Jew, God chose solidarity with the powerless and the marginalized. And then he lives his life and he twists upside down the phrase, I'm only human. Like as if that was some sort of limitation or failure. Rather, the incarnation of Jesus means that you and I can say with confidence and strength, I am human. Like Peter, we can tread on the waters of the chaos of the sea. And so my, my friend Kurt, he reminds us that too quickly we celebrate the deity of Christ without embracing the full humanity of Christ. So one of the tensions of our Christian faith is that we affirm both Jesus as God and Jesus as human, fully both, at the same time. Jesus does not put off his humanity when he heals people, when he casts out demons, when he calms the storms or walks on water. And neither does Jesus shed his deity when he experiences pain and loss and abuse. So perhaps one of the most powerful reminders of this is found in John at the end of John. And so in John 20, Jesus appears to the disciples after his resurrection. And we, re we read, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. So the resurrected Jesus carries the scars of his life of his death even into the resurrection. In case that isn't clear enough in that passage, Thomas's declaration in verse 25 is that unless I see the marks in his hands and put my finger in the wounds left by the nails and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. Which is what exactly what Jesus will then invite him to do in verse 27. So hope is not pretending that there isn't pain and suffering. Hope is not that we as Christians will somehow be saved or rescued from going through the trials and tribulations of this world. The hope of the Christian is not that we get to skip through this life untouched by pain and betrayal and abuse and hurt. The hope of the Christian is that God knows what life is like. And when we weep, God weeps with us. When we suffer, God suffers with us. God feels the pain of this world and joins with us in it. But there's more than that, because God doesn't just join us in a cosmic pity party. That would be pointless. God is also in the process of birthing something new. As we've talked about for the last like 10 weeks or something like that in the book of Ephesians, God is in the business of gathering all things up into unity with Jesus Christ. God is in the business of redeeming all things and unifying them, recycling that pain and that hurt and that disappointment. I remember when Nikki was in labor with Levi and before she got those miraculous drugs that they give that stop the pain, she was in a lot of pain. And I remember feeling so helpless beside her. I journeyed with her in the pain. But, but how unfulfilling would it have been if we just suffered together like that forever? The miracle, the joy, the hope that motivates women around the world to press on through labor is the hope of a new life that is coming. And so God joins with us in a world that is in birthing pains, as Romans 8 says. But God will see us through to the other side and will bring about new birth. Not sure the, if I'm allowed to quote Kurt because the book hasn't been published yet, so I'll ask for forgiveness later. Kurt writes, Jesus' Jesus's scars show us that our stories matter, even the painful ones. 
And then just a little later, he writes, our pain is real, but the gospel says it is not permanent. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, God come among us, showing us the beauty of God and the potential of our humanity. Jesus, God with us, showing us that even in the pain, even through the scars, God can make something good and true and beautiful. And so some of you have lived this more intensely than others. For some of you, 2020 has been a year of a lot of pain, a lot of hardship. And so I want to say, have hope. Jesus has come and will always come to you. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. The Lord is close to those who grieve. The Lord blesses those who mourn because the pain is real and Jesus knows it. Have hope, Jesus said to his disciples. I've said these things so that you will have peace in me. In this world, you will have distress, but be encouraged. I have conquered the world. The hope that we have is that Jesus knows our pain. He knows who we are, and his life shows us this counterintuitive way of living as fully human in a world that brings so much distress. The hope we have is that the distress we experience is not forever, for God is a God committed to coming and bringing resurrection. That God is a God committed to coming and bringing new life. That God is a God committed to you with a never stopping, never ending, never giving up, now and for always, forever faithful love. And so during this Advent, we remember the good news that Jesus is God with us. That he came and he showed us our full potential as human. He showed us how to live in a broken world while at the same time setting us free from the powers of sin and death that enslaved us. We remember that Jesus comes to the broken and the weary and the enslaved and he heals them and he gives them rest and he sets them free. And we remember that Jesus is still coming to us today. That we are not left as orphans, but that today Jesus is coming through his spirit, continuing the work of Jesus in each of our lives. And we look forward to the promise that Jesus, who conquered the world, is coming again. That Jesus will come, and when that time comes, all things will be made new. That our scars will find their place in the healing of the cosmos. And what looked like a bleak and dead winter will have new life. That the dead tree will spring new leaves and there will be new life forever. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. Amen.